Hello and welcome to The Game Is About Glory, or so they told us once. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me are Gareth and Milo. Hello, chaps. Hi, Hi Steph. Steph. <laughs> oh, come on, Gareth. Don't be so miserable. Hello. 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 He- good evening. Hello, everyone. He can't muster the Here cheer, can he? <laughs> All right. Look, I know we're near the end of this bizarre season, uh, but there was still a slot to play for as the Europa League remained within our grasp. Uh, did that final home match of the season against Brentford see us get close to slotting into the places needed for qualifications? You're going too we... early on. You're going too uh, early uh, on this. I, I, okay. Go far too <laughs> early. <laughs> okay. All right. What should I be punning about instead? I don't know. Yeah. I'm, try, I'm trying to think of a, a Luis Enrique pun that you could uh, do or. Um... <laughs> yeah, I, I can't think. He's not. His name doesn't fit well for punnage. But no. I have. I've blown an opportunity here, though, haven't I, to, to have a few uh, shots at our uh, South London neighbours. I'll say, yeah, maybe you could um, Amor, oh, no, Amorin, Amoramori. Oh, dear, no, that's not going to work either. Amorin, uh, Amor, our punning is, is our punning is on, is, look, let's just say we're going to delay our punning for a week. I've gone early on, <laughs> I've gone early on Arna's slot. We talked about this yesterday. I've blown the opportunity to take some pot shots at the... Uh, Let's face it, the bottle job across uh, across the way. I mean, you know, we were called bottlers for, for far less, I will say. Um, but look, you can see this this intro is like our season, really, isn't it? It starts strong and then it just ended up <laughs> all over the place, like our season, like yesterday's game against Brentford at the, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I mean, it just, you know, where can we go as a club and on this pod? Let's find out, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with the team selection for yesterday's uh, 3-1 defeat at home to Brentford. Um, uh, Milo, why don't you kick us off with team selection and any tactical changes that you noticed? Oh, quite, just a few. So four changes. So Sanchez came in for uh, Romero. Romero was injured. Basuma came in for Hoybier. Hoybier was injured. Deki and Danjuma came in for Porro and Richarlison. So um, I think we, we played a 4-2-3-1. The change, I think, was forced by the injuries to Romero and, and Hoybier, or particularly Romero, because we can't really play that 4-2-3-4-3 with Sanchez in the middle of a back three. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Not unless you believe in reverse entertainment. <laughs> um, I mean, it would, have been, it would have been especially cruel on Sanchez, considering the last time he stepped out on that pitch. And... Yeah, you know, and, and you're know, kind of putting that kind of pressure on him, and um, yeah. So, I mean, I think I think Mason kind of went a bit conservative. Really, it was he kind of made the best out of what he had available. And actually, in the first half, it was pretty good on the whole. Although I think it looked a little you know under rehearsed. But then I, I, I think Hoybier was injured in training during the week, so that kind of you can understand it a bit, you know. Uh, uh, Gareth, apart from having his mic on mute, Gareth has a face like thunder right now, and he's got his pen in his hand, and he looks like he's been checking a screen. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited and daunted uh, by what you've got to say. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, my mic was on mute because just as I was about to speak, having said hello, um, my wife decided to print something, so you'd have heard our printer going off in the background as well. Which, again, if ever there was symbolism of Tottenham season so far, that was probably it. Yeah, we should state for our listeners this is in the pursuit of uh, furthering the education of our children 
Absolutely, yeah. No, Not just is, yours, is, yeah. the, the country's yeah. children, because this is a GCSE-related uh, work that your wife is doing on a Sunday, am I correct? Yes, yeah, she's taking on extra moderation, so she's, she's moderating GCSE coursework performed by students up and down the country, and Heroic. involved several phone calls this evening, there you go. Brilliant. Yeah. So a shout out to Mrs. Gareth, I think, because that's noble work. Brilliant. Well done. Absolutely. And now and now, now we'll drag you to something that's not so fun to talk about. Yeah, well, that was the pain look on my face because I've got on my screen, I've managed to get it on loop somehow, on the playback of yesterday's game. So I've actually just got the first half God. on there, which is, um, <laughs> which is, which is topical. Um, team lineup, I'm, I'm guessing that had Hoiberg and Romero both been fit, they would have just taken Sanchez's and possibly Basuma's place or, or maybe Skip. So I think the shape and the formation probably would have been the same I don't think that would have been very different um, my friends and I when we when the 11 came out we were trying to work out is this a 3-5-2 is you know, Deki or Danjuma playing right back is is it going to be that hybrid between the 4-4-2 and the and the and the 3-4-3 that we've seen but no it was it was very much a you know the 4-2-3-1 with uh, Kulisewski as the number 10 playing behind Kane and it was it was it was interesting so I wonder whether at the point in the season now where where Mason's kind of just chucking things at the wall and seeing what sticks because last week's performance against Villa certainly from the opening 65 minutes was a was appalling and he's, he's needed to try something and yeah whether it just caught Brentford out more than anything else or not I don't know but yeah the first half was um was, was a much better watch yeah I, I think he would have stuck with the hybrid formation if Romero, Romero was fit. I think. I think the change was forced on him. But I think Decky at ten and Dan Juma at right wing forward was probably or inside forward was probably the the most interesting part of it. I I was expecting them to be the other way around when I saw well the teams quite, announced. Quite, um, I think he. I think he might have actually, if I may venture a comment here, he might have actually got that a little wrong. It would have been, I think, slightly better if they'd been flipped, especially given that Decky didn't actually pass Dan Juma. Uh, he missed him on three, at least three occasions where there was a clear ball into him in the first half. So He did talk about it in the post-match presser, and he said that he wanted the pace on the wings. Um, I mean, I think for, it was Dan Juma's first start for us in the league, mm. and I think it was a bit harsh for him doing it out of position. You know, he, he he's either you know, playing through the middle or off the left is where he's got most of his minutes. So... You know, when he finally gets a chance, it's out of position. I think it's a bit, it's a bit tough on him. I, I agree. I mean, have we seen? I mean, I don't. Well, it's, it's a that's a rhetorical question. It's obvious we haven't seen enough of him in his natural uh, environment, shall we say, or his natural position to make a true judgment on him as a player. I thought he made a couple of uh, exceptional runs yesterday. Well, exceptional. He made a couple of very good runs yesterday that uh, were not picked up by Decky or whoever. Um, but I mean, the wider question, you know. It was his first start. How did he do? And do we look more importantly, are we going to park money to keep him next season? Do you think? Would you? Uh, I've just simply not seen enough of him. Certainly not seen enough of him doing the things that he did really well at VRL last year. So the jury's still out on balance. I think there's probably more important of the areas of the squad that we need to strengthen over the, the summer. So for me, he wouldn't be a priority unless someone's really seen something in him in training. We're not going to get him by the nature of his loan deal. He's going to go back to VRL. So we'd have to agree a new loan deal. And ideally, you'd want that in place at the start of July for whoever the new manager is then to keep their eye over him. Um, I, I believe that there is a clause in his contract, but it's around the 27 million mark, which feels a bit high for him, although mm. you know, low by you know, most forward standards. I think the main thing against bringing him in is that you know his strongest position is on on the left of a front three, 
and that's also Sun and Richarlison's strongest position. So unless one of those is leaving, I can't see the sense in signing him. And this is kind of what's frustrating about um, about him coming in is you know we were talking about this yesterday, Steph. You know, I spent last summer banging on about what you know, at what we needed in the front line was a ball playing right sided mm-hmm. forward to provide cover for Decky and 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 give us balance in the team. And we didn't really sign one. And I still think that's our, our biggest weakness. And the closest we got to that was Brian. And when he when he showed you know some promise, he was shipped out on loan to a club where he's playing on the left. And the player we brought in to replace him doesn't really play in his position. So, you know, a bit of a puzzling one, really. Well, puzzling is one way of putting it. I'd say another fantastic definition of how terrible our, our recruitment has been, uh, to be honest. I mean, but alas, yeah. poor Arno, we never got to know you well. I think is probably what we're concluding there, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's a shame because he looks like he's got something, but he's never, uh, you know, he's never been able to show it in the in the positions that he's shown it in the past. I think he's a decent player. I think, you know, if, if other players were leaving, then yeah, I think he's worth considering. Um, if you can get, you know, the form he's, He's showed in Europe last season, for instance. You know, you've got a really good player there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't know, 27 million feels a bit toppy from what we've seen of him. Or yes, we haven't seen we haven't seen enough of him, and we probably won't. What we have seen a lot of this season, it's probably been the one bright spot consistently from the start of the season till now, is uh, actually someone's work. He never steps on the pitch, but he sets things up that have been very successful for us. I'm talking about uh, Mr. Vio. Uh, our set piece coach uh, did we see another of his many thousands of uh, set piece uh, you know repertoires for the first goal which which by the way I, I the shock of seeing Harry it wasn't a direct free kick so I suppose we can't quite say that but still the shock of seeing him put something in from that range from a dead ball virtually was uh, uh, stunning and, and and breathtaking it was beautiful but is that a VO routine, you think, or is that just something on the spot? I might be, I might be doing him a huge disservice here, but the camera a bit panned down to the to the dugout, and Matt Wells and Ryan Mason had a sort of very knowing look and point at each other, as if it was something that one of them had worked on. And actually, Ooh. it reminded me, ironically, um, it was against Brentford as well. When Fulham came up, when Matt Wells was Scott Parker's assistant, they won at Wembley. It was under, it was in lockdown conditions, so there was barely any crowd there. Um, mm. The winning goal was scored from a free kick. Um, it was a really bizarre one it was about 10 yards in from the touchline and about 40 yards out and I forget who the Fulham left back was but he whipped one into the near post and it transpired that Matt Wells had had orchestrated that beforehand they'd noticed that the Brentford goalkeeper he wasn't David Raya by the way it was the previous goalkeeper was weak in those positions and Matt Wells got the credit for having choreographed that one and it was just Mm. a reaction between Matt Wells and Ryan Mason afterwards that I wondered whether that was more them than a VO one who seems to have specialised in the corner routines Um, I mean I I clocked that look as well I mean I I thought that could just mean that they've been working on it a lot on training this week and you know it could be VO I mean I think VO's been working on our attacking free kicks as well not just the not just the corner routines um it, you know but you you're going to see less evidence of it because even the best teams don't score many goals from from free kicks so or direct free kicks at least um yeah it was definitely worked on um davis um blocks um Sade, um and creates the space for kane to shoot into making and, davis a smooth operator yeah. sorry and um <laughs> sorry sorry no, sorry right. <laughs> um and yeah if you look at I mean, Theo's work. I mean, most free kicks are out trying to create space and you know disrupt the wall, and you know that's that's what happened there. Um, I thought it, you know, it was a nice goal. It was beautifully struck, wasn't it, by Kane? Yeah, three hundredth appearance. 
as well. And, I mean, he just he never never fails to to hit a mark, does he? And <laughs> just never, no. you know, if if he struggles with a static ball, then doing something like that and having him run onto it is is well worth working. And yeah. it also means that the opposition keeper and defence are going to have to set up for two places because you know they'll be expecting Decky. You know, if, if we did it a couple of times, teams would be expect, expecting Decky to back heel it, and then it gives him the option of going the other way. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, look, generally speaking, we would have to say, uh, and as indeed we have said, uh, the first half was, you know, it was pretty good. I mean, you know, Bissouma was certainly, I think, you know, I don't think Bissouma and Skip paired up particularly well. But I mean, that's because they haven't paired up very much at all, in fairness. But there was a little bit of dynamism in Bissouma's play in the first half, which I thought was good. I thought what we didn't consider is that Brentford might very well have spent the first half in sort of like semi on the beach mode. And it certainly felt like they were. They were cantering around. We were, you know, really having our way with them. We should probably should have been at least 3-0 up by half time. I mean, we didn't take our chances. Uh, we didn't take even the opportunities sometimes when a ball was there to be played for the final, you know, for the final uh, touch. Uh, it, it just, it, it felt a little too easy in the first half. It felt a little too comfortable. And boy, oh boy, <laughs> were we reminded of that with the second half. Um, Brentford's first yeah. and second goals both came down that that left hand side. Uh, let's let's get into it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you're being a bit harsh on Basuma there, or you know, kind of underplaying. I thought he had a very good first half, and he made a real difference. He's certainly looked better than um, than what we've been seeing in the middle of the park for quite a few weeks. He was certainly more um, aggressive, wasn't he? Yeah, no, he just used the ball well and really kept ticking over. I don't, th- you know, I think part of the reason why um, we dropped off in the second half is he tied, which is understandable. I think it was his first start since, sure. you know, just after Christmas. Yeah. And, um, and Damsgaard coming on for them made a real difference. And We and never had de- an answer to him, did we? And, and made them uh, a lot quicker with the ball. Um, I, th- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think in the first half, we created a lot of chances, but they weren't particularly good you know, Good quality chances. Yeah, um, our XG in the first half was, um, where are we, 0.96, um, and that's off nine shots, seven of which were inside the box. So, yeah, we, a lot of chances, but not particularly good quality ones. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Basuma. I thought what was significant was he got a booking just before half time, and I wonder whether that had as much of an impact on the way for an orange in the second half. That was an orange challenge it as was, well, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't pretty, and it was sort of weird. It was it sort of came. It was. It's like he, something snapped because it's it's kind of not the sort of thing that he tends to do. I didn't think, but yeah, yeah. I thought he was quite fortunate there. Actually, I've I've seen red cards given for that kind of thing, but I, I mean his. Foot was on the ground by the time he made the challenge, so I think he was, um, I think he was in control of it. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't think it was more than a yellow. But uh, I mean, Howard Webb was in the stands, wasn't he? I, I think yeah. I'm not sure whether you whether you could see it, but uh, certainly on the on the camera, it was clipping to him making notes. So every, every time there was um, something you know, vague, vaguely contentious, the, the camera was panning to him. And I think they're doing it a lot because of, uh, say, Monday Night Football on Sky this week, where he was on talking through some VAR decisions. So I think, I think it's kind of um, we're going to see that a bit whenever he's in attendance. <laughs> yeah, the less I say about Howard Webb, the better. But yes, I did notice it. Steph, you you you're mentioning, or you you just sort of queuing us in to talk about Brentford's two goals. Can I just say before that, and this is sort of the difference between yes. the first and the second half. So at the start of the first half, um, we dominated possession of the ball. We had one chance to bring 
Decky gets in round the back and then drills in a, a, a near post cross, which Ray gathers at the front post. There's also a chance that Kane has where he gets a shot away from the edge of the area, which is comfortable for Ray. And then within six and a half minutes, we get the free kick that we score the goal from. So at the start of the second half, so my, my eye test was telling me at the start of the second half, we've lost our intensity here. Brentford are pushing us higher up the pitch. And when I've looked it back, so between the start of the second half, us kicking off the second half um, and, and Buemo scoring, which is in the 50th minute, um, um, we had we made 66 passes yeah. of which the significant majority of them were inside our own half yes um, Brentford had nine passes um, and they scored from that move that involved five passes at the end so every one of our passes at the second half it was slow it was everything that's been wrong with us this season it was pensive there's a lack of confidence no one can break the line with a pass the first player the instinct is right. always to play the ball back and recycle it and to gradually get the ball back to Forster where we're then being pushed back 30 or 40 yards um, but he said that, kind of, that, that was the itis so it, I think we came out in the second half and it was almost as if we, we said to Brentford come on we've stopped here it's, it's, you want to score a goal you can score a goal and we um I said, oh, until we never recover well let's talk about the first goal because I know you wanted to cue into that one but well I mean talk about the first couple I mean look it's it, you know our left hand side uh you know which was always going to be I mean when you're playing 4-2-3-1 with the players that we had out there with the matchups that are you know that were going on it was always going to be a little difficult right I mean it was we were always going to be put under pressure if Brentford were going to just pick their pace up you know, by even 10% and find the connector point, which they did with Damsgaard. I thought he did very well. He floated in and around in between. And, you know, without being devastating, he was very much a, a fast cycler of everything that they were doing and, 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 and very effective, I thought. So, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Brentford are very, very direct. So, um, you know, all of their goals came from, you know, quick, incisive passing and they, they cut through us. I mean, it's the kind of thing actually that Conte probably wanted us to be doing in the first half of the season, soaking up a bit of a pressure and, you know, turning over the ball and moving it into, you know, creating chances very, very quickly. And, um, you know, they, they scored, um, yeah, they, they took their chances really well. So, yeah, I mean, from that point of view, you know, I think once they, I think probably the first half they struggled, they, they wouldn't have expected us to line up as we were. And I think yeah. they probably struggled a bit with that and it took them a while to adjust once they adjusted and, and certainly made the tactical change. Uh, you know, I, I, they just used the ball better than we did, as you're saying, Gareth. I'm just, I know. Yeah, go on, Gareth. Go, go, go in, but I'm just rubbing my eyes and trying to fucking massage my temples because it seems that we're saying the same things week after week. Game well, after game. Yeah, I mean, it's almost as if we just switched first half for second half mentality. So first <laughs> half, we actually started well and we got a, we, we got a goal yeah. ahead. But second half was it was it was a appalling start to the second half, despite Christ. having eighty eight percent of the possession. So that's sixty six of the seventy five passes made until Mbwemo scores. Our, our Spurs players in pretty comfortable position, but um, just really really pensive, and it's, it indicated to me a lack of confidence and ability to go forward. I mean, actually, after they scored, we did raised the tempo a little bit and that did seem to wake us up we had that chance when um, Decky got the ball just ahead of me and played Kane and he then uncharacteristically played the ball off his other foot and it went out for a for a goal kick rather than feeding it into Sonny who was in the in the penalty mm. area but one thing that really stood out to me it stood out to me at the time and looking it back on the clip it's not so obvious it might you wouldn't have seen that on on the TV so Dan Juma goes down with an injury at 1-1 and the physio comes on to, to treat him and so I could see this in the stadium at that point it was it in it it created a, an impromptu water break and there were about yeah. four Brentford players came over getting water and they were getting instructions from about three or four coaching staff 
Matt Wells and Ryan Mason and Nigel Gibbs, to be fair to them, are in quite a deep dialogue themselves at the edge of the technical area. But then just looking around the rest of the field, there were 11 Spurs players in complete isolation, five of them with hands on their hips, not a single word meant spoken between any one of those 11 outfield players. Mm. or 10 outfield players and, and, and Fraser Forster. Um, and then within within 60 seconds of the restart, 90 seconds of the restart, Brentford go ahead. Well, you're not going to get a much better breakdown of uh, this current state of affairs than that. I mean, we can go, you know, you know, shapes and numbers and sizes, whatever. But ultimately, if the communication is uh, as you just detailed it, then that is an endemic issue. And it kind of matches up with what Mason said after the game about needing staff and players who actually basically want to be here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think the Mason comment I thought was um, probably most relevant to this. He was talking about um, kind of stamina and being able to you know, last a game. And he said, um, I think there's many different reasons why intensity drops. I think if you want to be an intense team, you have to work and train as an intense team. I think he's talking about the whole season and particularly earlier in the season and how uh, we'd been training before that. Um, that's probably been a difficulty. Uh, that's probably been a difficulty of getting this role at this stage of the season, having worked a, a different way for a period of time. I thought we were keen to show what we wanted to be and become in the first half, and we did that, but we probably couldn't sustain it for 95 minutes, which I think points points towards um, some of the fitness stuff we were talking about um, earlier in the season. And, um, you know, I think also when he was appointed, we were saying it's going to be very difficult um, to change style, we, you know, we, we, when there was talk of Conte being sacked, we were saying, well, actually, we're probably going to see Conte light for the rest of the season because it's very difficult to switch and and change that. And I think I think what he's saying there kind of broadly confirms it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel for Mason because I think probably these last two games, um, I mean, whatever slim chance he had of getting the job permanently, I think is completely gone. And I think I think he was out coached really yesterday. And um, I do wonder if you know if we if Slot is coming in. You know, we talked about him staying around to get experience. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'm quite excited right. about Slot as a potential coach, but I'm not sure that it's the kind, it's the type of manager that he needs to do an apprenticeship under. If it, you know, if, if Pochettino was yeah. coming in, or if Nagelsmann's coming in, you could say there's experience there. You know, they've they've got um, you know some prestige. There's there's something to learn there. I think you know maybe if it's Slot or you know another younger, less experienced manager, I think he's probably better off trying to go and get a job. Um, you know, in his own right somewhere. It's it struck me that. In preparation for coming in and being the caretaker manager, he's not actually run aside, is it? It's not as if he's been the under-23s coach or manager where he's been going in and and preparing a team to play a game and having to deal with those in-game substitutions. I'm not even sure he did much with the under-18s. So when it comes to these situations where you've got to make these these very, very dynamic and quick in-game decisions when you are responsible for them, this is brand new to him. So it's not even as if he's had 50 or 100 games under his belt as an under-23s level. I think he managed um, one of our youth teams in like the Champions League two or whatever that was called, the uh, European youth mm. thingy. Yeah. I think he has, I think he did coach that, but yeah. I mean, you've also got to bear in mind when Nuno came in. So obviously he was on Mourinho's coaching team. And when Nuno came in, he, he declined to be part of Nuno's setup, went back to managing the academy. And then when Conte came in, he stepped back in again. So, uh, you know, he's, he's clearly got his own views of you know, who's going to learn off and who not. I think he's been uh, very unlucky, as as you as we both uh, as you both said, uh, with regards to the timing and and the job he's been left to do. But ultimately, I think that some of those players have let him down, and I can't entirely blame them. They've been let down by the structure around them. So it's sort of a cavalcade of being of letdowns that ended up in Ryan Mason's lap. I mean, the turning point of Ryan Mason's tenure uh, with us this time will always be. Anfield 
And I think if we walk out of Anfield with a 3-3 draw, I think we're talking about a very different end of season here. I really do. I think the motivation remains with the players. I think the hunger remains with the players. I think the appetite remains. I think he gets more joy out of the things he's trying to do. I mean, also injuries notwithstanding, he's been very unlucky with injuries. But, I, you know, I do go back. That Lucas mistake uh, has probably changed the course of, of, of his short-term future and maybe ours. Maybe it's what we needed anyway. Maybe Maybe this is what we need. Maybe we need our noses rubbed in it one more time. I just hope, like both of you, that Ryan Mason is not a victim of that because he deserves a lot more. I actually think he's tried to be very adventurous uh, and tr- and really tried to make things work. As you said at the top of this show, Milo, he's been trying to find teams that work with the players he's got as opposed to forcing pegs into holes that are uh, misshapen. Uh, and, and he, you know, yeah. he deserves full credit for that. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've changed something about the team every single game so far there's been yeah. minor tactical changes every single game you know admittedly I think this one was forced on them by injuries but um you know that withstanding I still think that we would have seen changes to the, to the lineup and yeah. I think and I think there's stuff that was interesting there you know uh, I think you know Decky at, n- at number 10 is um yeah something we've all wondered about yes. um I, th- I thought he was pretty good um and you know, showed promise considering it's the first ever time we've seen him there um so, you know, this season, you know, we've seen him there. We've seen him on the right of a midfield when we yeah, were kind of he's, adjusting he's that. So we, we've seen a few different uh, you know, yes. variations from there, you know. Um, so, yeah, there, there was some change. I mean, I think, I mean, you look at that back line and it's a bit, it's a bit meat and potatoes, isn't it? It's a bit. What, the one against Brentford? Yeah. That back, that well, back I mean, it's was... completely, it's, it's, it's really not fit for purpose if you want to be any more than 10th. I mean, it really isn't. I mean, it's just not. And so he was, as we, I think we've all agreed, again, he was working with a deficit there. I mean, it's the kind, it's he's... the kind of back four you put out in the Europa Conference, isn't it? And... It is, absolutely. <laughs> and he had to, and in fairness, none of them in particular played poorly as individuals they just weren't I mean you can't blame Ben Davis for being skinned by Mbwemo I mean that that just that's just physics I mean you just can't you know that's gonna happen you can't blame Sanchez for being Sanchez he did the best he could I think he was okay but you're right as a unit they're not they're just not just not very good I mean you can't blame them for that. Can't blame Mason. It is where we are. And again, we start pointing at the finger of blame at recruitment. I go, I don't know. Maybe there is no finger of blame. It was an average side that he had. That, that it was all he could put out. I don't know. Yeah. Can I just say with the with the back four? Of course, none of them have played in a back four for a very long time. In fact, the yeah, back four that started point. at Newcastle was completely five different players. So the back five that started at Newcastle was Lloris, Porro, Dyer, Romero and Perisic. So you put five individuals in there today who probably... I mean, Davis played in El, El Sakiko, which was Nuno's last game in October 2021. Um other than, but there was a couple of, so you can see with Davis, when Mbwemo gets behind him for the second goal, you can see, I think he's crossed with himself more than anything. He sort of has yeah. his arms out um, and he's frustrated. There was a moment in the first half when Sharda gets in behind um, Royale and there's a similar thing there. And I think it's just the distances between players is very different if you're playing a back three compared to a back four. Yeah. Um, 
and I, I, th- I think that they were really exposed in those in those situations. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, Davis, I think, has, has found a new career for himself with us as, on the left side of a back three. And I think if we're going to play a back three next year, I'd be very happy for him to be part of that squad. But really, the rest of them, Sanchez gets exposed in a back four. Um, Longley, I think, was was brutally exposed at, in Barcelona as a back four, which is why he was available to us. Royale's probably the only one who, ideally, if you were going to put him in any shape, you'd put him on the right of a back four. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I mentioned Lucas Mora. I think it would be remiss for us uh, not to note that this is uh, or was his final appearance at White Hart Lane. I will just simply say, Lucas, thanks for the memory, singular. Um, I, I'm sure we all have our various uh, uh, opinions on, on him. Uh, uh, certainly, I think this pod has been very clear that when it comes to his you know, it's, uh, confessed political convictions, we'd really rather, A, he didn't express them, and B, that he didn't have them because they're not aligned with our values. But that aside, uh, you know, what, what, what do we... Does anyone have anything else to say about, you know, a, a player whose career with us has been erratic, to say the least, but he did leave us with that great memory? I, mean, I think just in terms of this game, rather than kind of his legacy for a moment, and, you know, you've mentioned the game that he, he'll be remembered for and, you know, very fondly, but... Mm. Um, in terms of this game, I thought it was a bit, um, yeah, the changes we made, the players we were brought, brought on were more direct at the point where Brentford were sitting back in numbers. And we almost wanted it the other way around, start with the more direct players and then bring on kind of, you know, the lock pickers later on, you know, Decky and, uh, Dan Juma, I think are a lot more useful against a set defense than, than Richie and Mora, who are just, you know, they're just kind of full on run at them. There's not a lot of craft in their game. And, yeah, so they were completely the wrong options off the bench at the at the time we brought them on, and yeah, and again, I think I think actually, you know, we've we've praised Mason for his use of subs, but yeah, Basuma clearly tired. Saar was on the bench, wasn't used. Uh, again, I think I think we probably needed to make a change earlier in midfield as well. So, right, uh, yeah. Good so in, in this in this point, I think Mora coming on was I thought I thought was an odd choice because I don't think it's what we needed at that point but admittedly we didn't have a lot of options on the bench well, he yeah, has become I mean, lesser hasn't he Mora has become lesser hmm. in the last year or so it's fair to say I mean I don't remember him yesterday other than stepping on I don't remember anything he did more or less more or less but um I think Milo's right there weren't that many options so Dan Jumas did go down with that injury mm. um and maybe he wasn't fit to continue but yeah really there weren't any other options unless you tried to shoehorn Richarlison on at that point or not I mean Poro was the only other choice I suppose, I suppose would have been a more like for like or could potentially have been like for like but even then you're probably putting him in a position where he's not at his most he did comfortable come, so he did come on for a while didn't he so he ca- yeah um, he came he came he came on later that was a bit of a Hail Mary at that point wasn't it it was to put on a very attacking mm. right wing back for, well, yeah. a, for a right back but to to change Dan Juma at that point um, if Dan Juma had to come off which let's give Mason the benefit of doubt and say well look maybe he did maybe Dan Juma had nothing else he could offer us physically then probably Lucas if you're going to put him on the bench that's what you're going to put him on on there for but yeah just 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 not many options at all not, not much to play with yeah all right let's let's just let's let's bring this whole sec let's let's bring this stumble to an end with with, with two two questions the penultimate question uh david raya as being mentioned as a potential replacement for hugo Lloris. um uh, quickly chaps what do we think of him 
yeah, really liked him. Very good with his feet. Um, made good saves when he when he had to. Um, I mean, certainly comparing him with Fraser Forster, who I, th- I think probably isn't the biggest of our problems at the moment, but equally he seems to have a very, very strange technique for both goals that he seems to pull his arm out of the way rather than throwing it in the way of the ball. <laughs> Uh, I'm not a goalkeeper. Can I I just make a critical observation of your observation? That to me is a problem when you're a goalkeeper. If you pull the arm, your arm out of the way, and that's one of the appendages you use to try and stop the ball, I think that is an issue. Yeah, I'm, Fraser Foster will quite rightly point out that he's made more appearances for England and more appearances in the Champions League and the Premier League than I have or am likely to make. So what the hell do I know? But it it it, it did really strike me watching him on slow motion. <laughs> the shot go the shot goes in, and rather than his right arm going out and saving the ball, it seems to tuck itself in. But there will be more qualified people oh, than it's a, it's a, um, it's a, a long distance when you drop into the floor from Fraser's height. So maybe he wants to cushion his fall. Uh, anyway, sorry. That's yeah, so Rose decent. I, I think you know there's a few um, you know good good goalkeeper options around. You know um, Sanchez at Brighton seems to have fallen out of favour there. Um, it's good, a couple of years younger, so he'd be another one that I think would be a good option. Um, yeah, but, I like him. I think he's good. Yeah, yeah. I, hope, I agree. I hope I mean, we get him. He also ha- he also looks a bit like a Doctor Seuss character to me. So uh, I, 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 I think that's worth. I think I mean Ray, I believe, is refusing to sign a new contract at Brentford. Brentford have already earmarked his successor. But they're meant to want forty million for him, which is probably forty million reasons why we won't pick him up. If that's true, I think Chelsea are interested as well. So um, you know they can. Yeah, but, they can but you, I, I, I think with the negotiations with that, you know, Ted Bowley phones up. I said, "I really fancy Rare." They say forty million. They said, "Well, I'll give you sixty, and that's my final offer." That's going kind to of probably how it works, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Probably, but I mean, of course, you, I know that sometimes my glib uh, observations and, and uh, things are somewhat passed off as being, you know, just me twittering on. But my, my comment about him looking like a Dr. Seuss character, you know, you had, could have a whole line of merchandise that will hopefully uh, cover his uh, some of his transfer fee. See, so if anyone's listening, you know, we're available for creative consultation. And I suppose now we move to one positive and one negative in 30 seconds, don't we? We'll just move swiftly on from that. <laughs> Slim pickings on the humour front tonight, folks. Uh, one positive, one negative, chaps. Three, two, one. Come on, don't all race at once. Who's my, jamming their finger on the buzzer? Milo is there. My positive is only one more game to go. We're one step closer to the end of the season. Um, we nearly made it. Well done, guys. Group hug in a week's time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you mean us? The whole we fan have a group base. hug. The whole yeah. fan base. I want the right. whole fan base to give each give each other a group hug. A, a little pat on the back and say we've come through it we've done it imagine all the spurs fans wasn't hugging no. globally anyway uh <laughs> i was thinking more i was thinking more <laughs> along the li- i was thinking more along the lines of you know it's the end of a disaster movie or a horror film or something like that and you've es- <laughs> you've escaped escaped the house of the bad guys or whatever it is and you're kind of um soaked in in blood and sweat and tears and everything else you kind of just Grab, grab onto each other and say, we've made it. We've survived. That's, why, is that's it that when, why is it when you say disaster movie, I immediately think of the Poseidon adventure and that bit where Ernest Borgnine is trying to save Shelley Winders as she's drowning. Does that say I've something never, about I've me? Or is, it, so. is, there, is, there, is there a metaphor in there? Gareth's shaking his head like he knows what I'm talking about. Are, are, are we Shelley Winders? Uh, are they Shelley Winders? Are we Ernest? But anyway, enough of that. I've, I'm Ernest Borgnine and I'm your host tonight. Gareth, bring us back to normalcy. Positive yes, and negative. Sure. That's the one with the, with the ship's upside down, isn't it? It certainly is. It's a Poseidon yeah. adventure. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. All, all, absolute yeah, disaster all, movie classic. trying to climb up the tables or onto the tables in the main dining room. As, yeah. as oh, a Tottenham Hotspur, it, yeah. it seems, weekly well, yeah. without any great effect. 
correct. So <laughs> there is more than one direct metaphor with uh, Tottenham yeah. Hotspur and the Poseidon adventure. Yep, that's um, right. No, the, the the positive that came out of yesterday in a season where there's been been very, very little to sing about, it's the fact that Arsenal can't um, match our 86-point tally from the 26-17 yes. season after having been, been beaten by Nottingham Forest yesterday. So mm. that was the positive for me. Um, I don't know. Well, I suppose if it's linked to being at the stadium, the, the women had a really good result yesterday and, mm-hmm. and stay up as well, um, which I stayed for and they played well. So, um, so that was good. Um, the, 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 the negative is, and this is perhaps looking at a slight existential crisis here, but we seem to be finding flaws to fall through. So four weeks ago, we were worried that we weren't going to finish in the top four. Now it's the top six. Um, now there's even a chance that we'll finish ninth next week. And So we're know, we actually just... a Christopher Nolan movie in that case. And it's like Inception. We keep on finding <laughs> new levels to descend to. Yeah, well, no, it 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 does, and it does it does really concern me that maybe you know there's three points on a on a graph here, and if they keep going in the same way, that by the middle of next season we might be talking about being thirteenth or fourteenth, and not even being in the top half or being dragged into something at the relegation battle. And I think that there's a lot of things that need to happen over the over the summer. Um, to make sure that doesn't happen because that's probably the trajectory we're on at the moment. No, I think you're right. Uh, I, I, I'm i going to keep my positive as tight as I can because there are very few and uh, increasingly this season has been about moments. And so I think anyone who witnessed Harry Kane's free kick yesterday, take it, frame it, remember it, remember that moment, try and view it out of context of what happened next because it was a, it was a moment of beauty and uh, it reminded us what a privilege it is to uh, to have him. I'll leave it there, in, as, as in the present tense, and and we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, the the, the negative, as you've quite rightly um, hinted out there, Gareth, as well, not hinted, you stated, you know, there's just the spiral here just seems to be, uh, you know, it's like when your sink is draining and right near the end, that spiral gets, gets you know, the draw down into the, the pipe gets gets more and more. Like the gravity of pull, the pull of that gravity is just getting so intense right now. I can only hope that, you know, by the end of next weekend, we've found a way to get the plumber in and deal with it. Because otherwise, I agree uh, that we are we are. It, it it it's hard to see us getting out of this anytime soon. But no, I I well, I mean, I I find kind of. I mean, Plumbing I find analogies neg- really crap. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I find kind of the negativity around the club really draining and draining. Um, you like it? Very good. Mm, it wasn't a pun. Thank you. And, um, and you know, I think like. They kind of we've had a really shit season, um, but I mean the good thing about a season is that it's over and you get a reset. And it's been, you know, I think I mean we'll cover this next week when we do a season review after the last game. You know, so many things have gone wrong. There's so many different factors that come into play here, and you know we're we're never going to have another season like this, thankfully. And we know that very very soon we'll have a new manager and we'll have a new director of football in, and we know that there's going to be a clear out. So I, you know, how all that gels? There's just so many unknowns. We don't know, but um, you know, I don't think next season is a continuation of this season. There there is a hard end to this, and there's a reset. And I I think I also think that sometimes that kind of mindset could be self defeating. I think yeah, you know, we we shouldn't be taking that kind of mindset and the pain from this season into next season. I think we we also need a reset. We need to try and start afresh because that's the best chance we've got of it being successful. And I think that that's a very fine. No, oh, I agree. I mean, I, that that that's 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 logic uh, at work and also positivity. I'm all for that. It I also like goes it. for Arsenal. They're never going to have a season as good as this again. So you know they're no. not going. So you know it's kind of it works always. <laughs> yeah. 
I like that. Yeah. Sorry, no, I, I say the last time we were at this sort of crossroads, it was it was 2014 when Sherwood was, was manager mm. and we went into the end of that season. I think we did actually finish sixth that year and no one really knew what the future looked like. We had Adebayo and Soldado as our centre forwards and we knew there was a lot wrong. And of course, that summer was very transformative, just as 10 years before that was, we nearly got relegated. Then Arneson, well, Santini, then Yol came in. Things did turn around. I, I guess the pattern, if I'm, if I'm talking about patterns, certainly under Enoch has been that we've had maybe a step backwards and then we've had two or three forward and that's that's been the pattern. So, I, you know, I, I, I hope that is what will follow this time. But so, yeah. Let's just get on team. Let's get on team Milo. I'm on team Milo tonight. I, I'm, I, I'm usually the auras and lemons man on this pod, but tonight... He has ascended to the mantle of the Auras and Lemon Master, which I'm sure he is basking in the glory of. The Optimist is with us. I like Milo's forecast, and I think that should be where we leave our review of uh, yesterday's um, yesterday's final home game of the season at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah? Should we move on to mm. something? Uh, should we move on to the week that was? Last Sunday, a Spurs Invitational eleven made up of reasonably recent ex-players. Oh, I didn't think about the uh, didn't think about that when I wrote it. <laughs> trying to say that uh, took on a celebrity team at Bishop's Torford. The game was organised by our, our head of kit and equipment, Steve Dukes, in memory of his late father, Charlie. Uh, Jermaine Defoe grabbed a hat-trick, Robbie Keane Sr. got two, Sandro got one, and Robbie Keane Jr. got the seventh goal. Gents, what do we think of the team selection, and did you notice any tactics? Well, first of all, let me just say that when you said I didn't think of that when I wrote it, I immediately thought of Life of Brian. I'm sorry, I did. The balcony scene, it was brilliant. <laughs> so I don't know if that's... I just... Anyway, so thank you for that. Um, yeah, Look, can I, can I just widen out? First of all, you said Sandro scored one goal. I mean, Sandro scored an epic goal that was celebrated in a ginormously huge fashion by a man <laughs> whose passion for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club was absolutely raging through the screen. Uh, and 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 I mean, the, t- the team selection was wonderful. I mean, should I, should I just run through the team? Actually, who we got? Just so we, run through the team. Come on, let's have let's have some joy. So we had Gomez and Vorm in goal. Chimbonda, Dawson. Uh, Bassong came on for Dawson, then Dawson came back on for Bassong. King, who was replaced by Kabul. Uh, Danny Rose, Sandro, Wilson Palacios, who lasted three minutes, then Sandro came back on. Tom Huddleston, Edgar Davids, Aaron Lennon, Robbie Keane, Jermaine Defoe. Um, yeah, and Robbie, uh, Robbie Keane's fun. son. Yeah, Robbie Keane's son came Got back on. on. I mean, what I should say is, a serious, seriously though, rather than the, those kind of questions, so there's a film of the game up yeah. on YouTube and Spurs Play. If you haven't already watched it, you really should. It will give you the feels, and we all need that after the season we've just had. And uh, the distance to the club, many feels right. Uh, you know, the distance we a lot of us feel from the club right now. Kind of, this was a real kind of antidote to that. And I think you know we should be doing yeah. doing more of this and shooting it into our veins because yeah. it was it was it was really really sweet. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Steph. I know you've watched it. I thought the scenes, particular the ones that really got me, was uh, was Redknapp with Palacios. And I was kind of thinking yeah. back Big, to, to Palacios in that hotel, hotel when he was waiting yeah. outside Redknapp's room, yeah. and and the other one was uh, Redknapp saying to Danny Rose, "We've got to find you a club." Yeah, I mean, I've got to say uh, that 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 who uh, big big 
big kudos to the media team for putting that video together. It was excellently edited and 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 really did make you feel that you were part of that reunion. I felt that I was in that dressing room watching those those conversations happen, mm. and it was really what really got me, uh, you know, warm and fuzzy was seeing how much um, friendliness there was between them, how happy yeah. they were to see each other, and I have to say, seeing players really show some joy and passion for the club. It was clear that those players loved the club. Uh, and it was also uh, a, a really good um, cameo for Harry Redknapp in a way. I mean, further reframed that, you know, they were good times. Yeah, I mean, they I mean, were. And I, I, I sat on my football hypocrisy when he joined. Um, but my word, they were great times in his relationship with those mm. players. You can see how, how golden it is. And, and then Sandro. I mean, Sandro was just, I mean... Yeah. I, look, I'd wheel him out for three minutes, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, right now. Surely that I'm, infectious uh, energy would, would catch. I mean, I, so much happiness you saw amongst them. There, yeah. There's quite a few players there who've still been playing until reasonably recently. I mean, obviously Danny Rose was only released by Watford earlier this season. Yeah. Um, Tom Huddleston is at Man United. He plays with their under-21s as a yeah. kind of on-field kind of coach which I love that thing. position. I love yeah. that. When you think of the passing range that guy has and the intelligence, what a great and smart thing to do with a player like that. I'm, I'm a bit disappointed we haven't done that with Danny Rose after it fell through from at Watford and just offered him that kind of position because obviously he had the link with some of the academy kids wow. um, when he was with when when um, when Mourinho yeah. made him train with the kids and I kind of think that would be. Quite, you know, obviously Lennon only retired last season. Jermaine Defoe only retired last season. So you've got quite a few yeah. players there who are you know, still pretty sharp. Yeah. Um, I, I can't help thinking that if you put that team playing exhibition games at the stadium, you get a decent gate for them, I think. You certainly think you, would. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you would. Do you, if you remember, the, after that, you know, end of that 2013-14 season, they had Ledley's testimonial on mm. the... It was, it was on the pitch. It was in the stadium. It was the day after our final game of the season. Yeah. And um, that had... I think I think it sold out, or it was, it was pretty close to selling out. It was it was a great occasion at a point where the um, division between the fans and the club was probably as big as at any point as it has been until it has been in the last six months or so. Um, so really, from a PR perspective, putting something like this on on the pitch, there's definitely the demand for it. I mean, these are proper sort of yeah, you said bonus. Absolutely. Well, that just tells me, I mean, look, without, without, without wishing to get too negative, I don't want to stain this in negative comment. It just shows you how fucking clueless some of the people in our upper offices are. They're so, I, I just don't understand. I mean, you're fucking it up left and right and trying to get it right, hopefully. Like, make this. These are no-brainer decisions. These are no-brainers. I mean, I, I, the excitement I got from watching Edgar, Edgar Davids on the ball again, huge. Mm. You know, and it does. It's an, a, a Gomez. I was I love Gomez. And Gomez playing outfield for a little bit. Yeah, it, it's look. Yeah. Just watch it. It's on. It, I, I think it's on YouTube. I, I it think it's on, on YouTube. It's on Spurs yeah. Play as well. So the other right. thing that occurred to me. So the celebrity team was uh, managed by Ray Winston. Yeah, was going, brilliant. <laughs> I, I, I was kind of thinking about to Sexy Beast, and I think probably our team this season have had uh, Don Logan, Ben Kingsley doing their team talks. And <laughs> I wish we had. I want to go. Yeah, imagine him looking at them, going stum stum, like you know, <laughs> half time would be great. Huh? There's a lot to there's a lot to draw off from this 25 minutes, and it's all good. So trust yeah. us, this is 25 minutes of your time you need to spend, especially if you want to remember what it is to love this club and to see players that love it too. Dear listener, I'll just tell you now, after Steph watched it, he messaged me saying, we should do that first. Don't do the game. We'll do this first. <laughs> <laughs> 
True story. So I absolutely if, did. If Steph had had his way, we would have had 45 minutes on. Oh, but he'd have got attacked. I'd have been, I'd have been breaking down Sandro's epic celebration for ten minutes, and it is epic. Yeah, yeah. it made. You know what I also thought, guys. I thought of. I looked at those players. I thought of all the great songs we used to have for all those. Yeah, loads of different songs for the players. Sandro had a song. You know, they they all had a great song. You know, and I, I Gomez. You know, we don't. That doesn't really happen that much anymore, does it? Don't know. No, it doesn't. I, I, don't know. Yeah, well, anyway, the point is falling flat. But watch it, and you'll find yourself singing on your sofa. I did. <laughs> yes. Anyway, do you want to carry on? Yeah, go on. Do you want me to pick it up? I'll pick it yeah, up. Yeah, you do this I? one. Okay, Premier League Player of the Season. Harry Kane is on the shortlist for Premier League Player of the Season. The other nominees are Kevin De Bruyne, Erling Haaland, <coughs> Odegaard, Marcus Rashford. <coughs> Saka and uh, Kieran Trippier. Um, This is the fifth time that Harry has been nominated for the award, having also been shortlisted in 2015, 16, 16, 17, 17, 18 and 2021. Uh, This sentence, however, really, really got my my heckles up. Harry is looking to become just our second ever winner of the award after Gareth Bale in 2012-2013. I mean, who on earth are the fuckwits who have been voting for the last like seven, eight years. How on earth can the, the best striker that this country has arguably produced in decades have can not you, won this award? I mean, Milo will know the answer to this one. Can we clarify, is this separate, this isn't the player's player of all the PFAs? This isn't the player's player. This is the Premier League one, which means that it probably goes to vote on the Premier League, Fantasy League and um, site. So it, it's a load of Arsenal and Liverpool fans that probably it, vote for it multiple it, occasions. It does. And voting closes on Monday the 22nd at midday. So if you're listening to this, as soon as it's released, go to the Premier League website and vote for Harry Kane if you haven't already. Yes, don't let the fuckwits win again. But I think I think there probably is a big club bias, isn't there? And um, having a big, probably international fan base um, probably makes a difference out of Liverpool that. Liverpool so. and Arsenal fans are very good on online polls, aren't they? Right. So while we talk about Kane, we should also say that yesterday he got uh, official supporters club player of the season, one Hotspur, um, player of the season, one Hotspur Juniors player of the season, and Sonny got goal of the season for his strike against uh, Brighton. And there we are. The, uh, we would have to say results, uh, especially in Harry's case, that were pretty predictable. But well done, Harry. Um, yeah. Uh, shall I just continue with this? I was going to take that one, but you can do that one if Go you want. Go on, you take it. No, no, okay. you take it, and then I'll just grumble off the back of it. Okay. So the, <laughs> the club emailed one Hotspur members this week with details of membership price rises for the 23-24 season. This comes after season ticket prices were frozen for next season. Uh, the size of the increase varies depending on what type of membership you hold. We've got a couple of members on the panel tonight. Um, how much more is it going to cost us? That's you and me, Steph. How much more is it going to cost us? Uh, mine's going up to 60 quid. I'm a plus member. You're one Hotspur plus. I'm one Hotspur classic. I'm just the bog standard one Hotspur. It's, co- it's costing me about one extra extra 150. I also pay for my stepdad's and uh, he's so he's got an OAP one, I think it's about the same for him so i think yeah my 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 son and i have season tickets since we know those prices were frozen um my daughter's got um uh, one hotspur membership and as far as i'm aware that's the same price or if it's gone up it's gone up such a um, nominal amount i've not noticed it on the direct not mine mine has gone up uh, i think by a good tenner it looks like to me i think it was what 49 last year for the plus uh and now it's 60 so that's a fair increase they Uh, are harry will personally fly to san francisco and bring you your card won't he on your birthday for that. <laughs> yeah, quite. Uh, 
quite. I mean, look, let, let, let's. Let, I mean, the, the question is: Is this another example of the club being unable to read the room? I mean, there's at this point when it comes to the fans, the the club are so illiterate that uh, you know it, it doesn't even bear individual scrutiny. I don't think. I mean, I think just put it put it in amongst all the other uh, illiterate moves that they've been making. They're now trying to recover, and that we hope they will in the summer with the quote unquote reset we've been discussing. Uh, they've done it. What am I going to do? I mean, I guess I I could not sign up. They know they've got me. They have me. I'm on an auto membership. I'm going to complain. I'm part of the problem. I mean, I, it's, I, it just feels at, at this point, it feels so exasperatively fucking useless. I mean, to, you know, I don't if know. You want, I don't if know. you want to go to games, you've got no choice, have you? Well, so, um, I mean, I, I think what I find puzzling is why don't they just chuck a quid on tickets? Because yeah. me- membership yeah. is a barrier to, to accessing them. So presumably they want as many, many members as possible. Mm. And then, you know, they probably don't care whether members go to, you know, one, two, ten, you know, whatever games a season. Um, because they've got that money off you and they know that they can sell tickets. So you'd think they'd want as many members as possible and, you know, bumping up yeah. the, the right. price of a ticket is, um, it's less obvious to you because you don't see the, you know, you don't see the renewal email and what have you. And yeah, it, it seems a bit it, puzzling to me. It, I tell you one thing that is an overall little disturbing and it's not in our notes, but I'm going to bring it up because it is something I have been hearing and reading about, as I'm sure we all have, which is there's this odd situation cropping up where, you know, concession season tickets are sort of quote unquote subject to supply and, and demand. And there are cases of people who were previously in their sections able, you know, to renew their senior season ticket who are now unable to because apparently the numbers are not there like there's there's not enough space for them um actually if you uh, jar wobble <laughs> who is a famous uh, Tottenham Hotspur supporter uh, he he tweeted about it um and he said you know i i am due a, you know i'm due a season ticket a senior season ticket this year uh, apparently it's unavailable in my section so you know, I don't know what's going on there, and I don't know quite what the levels of communication are. I'm hoping that the trust, who frankly I think have been very good uh, recently at communicating what's going on, they were very good with the membership stuff, and they were on it, and they said, you know, we we're asking questions. I hope there's more clarification of what's happening there, um, because that to me is both insidious and 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 really not cool. You know, when you're starting to mess with those concessions, the season ticket area, that is not cool. Um, so we'll actually also look to bring a little more clarity to that as we learn about it. But it really disturbed me, you know. And I mean, Yar Wobble or Jar Wobble again, not someone who particularly comes out and says much about his support of the club. So for him to tweet something about it, you know, there's some disgruntlement. So anyway, he talks about it all the time, Steph. He's always talking well, about it on Twitter. Show, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Well, that shows you that shows you uh, that shows you how much I, I, I'm on Twitter. So yeah, maybe maybe that is the case, and maybe it's just the latest uh, update from someone who does tweet yeah. a lot about the club. Does, In which yeah. case, it's still it's still poor. You know, it is a poor state of affairs um, to be doing that to people who, you know, are entitled to a concession in the area that they've always been in, in the ground. So, you know. Got to look after our ageing punks, haven't we? We'll all be, we'll all be ageing punks one day. Oh, I, I, I am. I'm, I'm already an ageing punk. I'm well ahead of you, young man. <laughs> he's gone for that. You can see that. He's dangled the fishing line out and he's just waiting to see if I bite. And he knows I will. He knows I can't help myself. And I can't. Uh, this is me, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Drum roll for this uh, for this preseason announcement. The club announced that we will play Leicester City in Bangkok on Sunday, July the twenty third, in the second of three games on this summer's Asia Pacific Tour in twenty twenty three. The tour kicks off with a game against West Ham United in Perth. 
on Tuesday, 18th of July. And the final game is against Roma and our old friend in Singapore on Wednesday, 26th of July. I'm really happy that our friend... He could be at PSG by then, so... (laughs) Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, I'm happy that uh, our fans in those areas are going to get to interact with the club and see. And who knows? You know, they, they uh, they might be the first to witness the Slotnam way. That yeah. was the sound of a couple of crickets <laughs> finding their way through the undergrowth. Hmm. The humour hasn't been happening this week. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was very good. I think the Slotinum way is good, but I don't know. I was, told, I was just going to make the point that it's um, it's the it's both old and new, isn't it? It's you know the new thing of of going out and playing your pre-season games around the world um, with your international supporter bases, and also it's traditional in playing against lower league teams, which Leicester City will be then the little shit. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. And actually, what? Well, let's just spend a minute there, uh, a minute of gloating. Can I just say one more time on this podcast? I can't stand Leicester, and if they go down, I will be absolutely delighted. Yep, so. With apologies what? to a good friend of mine who is a Leicester fan, but you understand, you know, we all have oh. our tastes. Pre- Premier League atmospheres aren't going to be the same without those fucking hand clappy things, are they? <laughs> Oh, no, indeed, indeed. And, of course, we won't get into the other side of dragging your uh, players, you know, on whirlwind uh, across the round the world, pre-season summer tours that will slot in. That wasn't a pun, by the way, with, uh, you know, European football for the national teams and, you know, result in these players getting maybe less rest than is optimal to recharge with the users. Let's, let's not go down that path. Let's just celebrate the fact that, nice. you know, our extended fan base are going to get to to see the players in action. I, I just hope I just hope we're not doing twenty lengths of the pitch in Singapore after <laughs> play, playing Roma. So imagine, imagine. I mean, this is just to close on this and to loop back to that fantastic twenty-five minute video. Which again, if there's one highlight uh, to watch this week, don't watch the Brentford highlights uh, other than Harry's goal. Watch the two-minute version. Watch this twenty-five minute video. Can you imagine? Uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to imagine what the preseason was under Harry. What kind of kind of preseason did he run? All right, lads, get a couple of shuttle runs in. We'll do some we'll do some rondos and then sausage rolls yeah. and a cup of tea afterwards. Off to I mean, the dogs, yeah, off to the dogs. So help me, so help me, guys. At the time, I would have, you know, thumbed my nose at it. Have been snobby. I'm so desperate for a bit of warmth and love at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, a bit of like unity and 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 whatever. I'd take it. <laughs> I yeah, I, 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 yeah, I love Harry. Well, about Harry per se, but just uh, just someone to bring that in, and and yeah, let let's hope let's hope that that beaming uh, man from Holland uh, maybe gets a shot. It might be he might be the bridge. Well, we might be back to let, the Martin Yol era of Tottenham, right? That kind of time frame, anyway. Um, let's just hope. Let's just hope the announcement comes early. Let's hope that early in June, early June, we get an announcement and we know where we are and. Yeah, a bit of certainty and you know, working towards something will be will make a big difference, I think. Yeah, I just want the warmth and the love. I want to feel good about this club again. And I, I like you all, let's just hope. And let's just leave it there, shall we? Leave it on the note of hope. <laughs> I don't know. Guys, it was fun, especially when we got talking about uh, the, the charity game. That was my favourite bit this week. Oh, brilliant. So good. <laughs> Probably your highlight of the season, wasn't it? Well, it's that. It's funny you say that. I was thinking about highlight of the season, and maybe you should throw yours in as well. Right no, now. No, right... no, 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 no. We're we'll doing a season okay, review right, next week. Okay, all right. Wait. Okay. Keep your powder dry. Okay. <laughs> That's it. 
as you can tell, it's descending into some sort of muddied chaos, uh, aided by my good self. Milo has quite rightly brought structure. Thank you, chaps. That was fun. <laughs> as you. you said here in your notes, we nearly made it. We have nearly made it. Just one more game to go. And we'll be back next week to discuss that final game of the season against Leeds, for whom I know Milo has a deep well of sympathy uh, due to his appreciation of Sam Allardyce, which Fuck he will get Sam. into. <laughs> Not literally, no. I did several, several pints of wine before I'd consider that. <laughs> Bye.